right? It's not that it's and it's not that bitter. No. Um, I think this is going to balance out real nicely. I think it's it's going to leave some earthiness behind from the hops. You're going to get caramel from the malt. This is just going to be an all-around, like, for people who aren't familiar with ESBs, think of this more as an amber ale. This is going to be a very nice, drinkable amber ale. Bitter Bob's back, baby. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Pam Hassan, and I'm here with Glenn Ingram. And you are listening to what we're calling the Bitter Bobcast. Ah. If you if your mouth just watered listening to that, that wasn't Foley, that was real. This is a podcast about a CICK and Smithers Brewing Company partnership. It's kind of a making of the making of a beer. Glenn used to have a brewery called Plan B here in Smithers. Was it Smithers first craft brewery? Yeah. Yep. How long ago? Ages. Uh, 15, 14 years ago. Yeah. And he brought a recipe for an ESB, which is rare in these here parts. Yes. An extra special bitter is what that stands for. Sure. And uh, he brought his Plan B extra special bitter recipe to Smithers Brewing uh, master brewer Cam and together they whipped up a batch of Bitter Bob. Yeah. And, and it's all part of a CICK thing too, right? Well, yeah. It's the, it, it is a partnership and so uh, it's going to be kind of a CICK, sort of a CICK branded beer but it's, a, it's just a very visual collaboration between uh, these, two place, these two organizations in the community of Smithers. So Glenn, when you were working with Cam in the brewery, actually doing the brewing, you also brought along a Zoom recorder. I did, yeah. And uh, the purpose for that, I guess, was posterity, right? You, because You brought the Zoom recorder. I did, okay, yeah. I, I physically did bring the Zoom recorder. And then later on in the day, a new SD card because there was we recorded we ran out. so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so it was kind of fun because this, this podcast is kind of fly-on-the-wall style mm. where... You and Cam were talking during the whole process, so there's lots of background noise. You're going to hear, you know, grain being milled. Do you mill grain? That's it. Milling it. Mm -hmm. Milling grain. Uh, You're going to hear, you know, bottles being popped open. You're going to hear um, water running. There's just lots of sound. Lots of sounds. Yeah. Yeah, Brewing sounds. If you're a brewer, some of these sounds will be very familiar to you. And I'm not a brewer, and being in... I had never been present when a beer was being made before ever so it was actually very it was fun and exciting for me yes uh for me too i've done this lots of times and uh, this was super fun for me too you also seemed very happy and in your element (laughs) you i saw you smiling and laughing a lot that day uh what do they call it sad a sad skinny white guy well that gets excited when they are confronted with making beer so anyway, being that I am exactly a, I'm a sad skinny white guy. We said forlorn. We did. So we agreed, yeah, we we did. agreed we on did. forlorn. Fair enough. So let's uh let's get right into it. We're gonna go right into the actual. I think we're gonna be milling grain right off the top. I think so. Yeah, I think that's where this starts. Okay. Did you actually finish the? Did you finish the smoke already? Smoke's done. Done. Smoke's done. Yeah. Well, this is be awesome. So, what do you do when you first show up doing something like this? Well, uh. So I, I've already saved you a very loud and laborious step. You ground some grain. Uh, or sorry, like I've saved it for you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, ordinarily, like I show up, the grain's milled. Um, yeah. 
if I'm doing a double batch, the moment that I've mashed in, I mill the second batch, which yeah. I didn't do today. So all that grain sitting at the foot of the mill. Let's start milling. That's, uh, that's it. This is, uh, uh, if my own notes can be believed, this is gonna be 305 kilos of grain today. Okay. So. Yeah, I remember doing with that size and you're kind of like holding the weight the entire time. Yeah. Like, ugh. Yeah, and you got the drill on the other side and you're trying to pour it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a drill that had a lock on it. Had a real relatively low, like a big drill that had a nice low speed on it. Right. And it had a lock on the trigger. You just let it go. Then you didn't have to worry about that. And then, you, then you're holding the bag. Or you're, you're scooping it. Yeah. This, uh, this, no, that's for our, our pilot system over there. So, like, oh, yeah. big system, we do about, you know, 1,300 liters at a time. Yeah. That system, we do about 130 liters at a time. Yeah. And this mill is hard plumbed into that, so we have to use the little guy. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it brings you right back to the homebrewing days. Yeah, exactly. Balancing a toad yeah. on your shoulder. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I still have that. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to be doing this batch of this recipe. Um, when it warms up a bit, I'm going to probably do, uh, and I'm going to kind of curious to see what it tastes like in a smaller scale. Uh, as long as I do it well, and hopefully we'll be able to kind of compare sort of apples to apples a bit. Maybe. Yeah. I, uh, there are a lot of like little nuances about scaling a recipe up, like the hops utilized differently and the efficiency of the grain changes, but by and large, like for, for, all intents and purposes in this world, yeah. uh, do it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. 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 And then this controls the gate and how quickly the grain goes in there. Yeah. Um, and then were you, you're basically, you were just kind of like eyeballing it or like what you thought was like the best brush? Uh, for any brewers listening, absolutely not. No, of course I bought the really expensive sieves. Oh yeah, there are sieves you can use. So for any professional brewers listening, I absolutely did that. For any home brewers, nah, just eyeball it. Yeah. I, uh, and what are you looking for? You, you want to make sure the husk? It's sort of like broken off the grain, yeah. a bit of a crush to it, but you're not like powdering it. No, you don't want a flour. No. Uh, you want you want the kernel to be definitely broken open, yeah. the endosperm to be in a couple of different pieces, but then the husk to be more or less intact, which yeah. helps with a lot of nerdy beer things that, yeah. that you know. And if, you're not, if you don't know, listeners, Google it. There are a handful of ways to drop the pH of a mash. I prefer to do it by, uh, used to do it Yes, uh, phosphoric acid is really yeah. common. I just, I don't know. I, I, I've always liked using acid malt better. It's a bit more expensive, um, but it, it like it, it, it has worked. And so that's the only change that I've made from your, from the recipe you gave me to the one we're brewing today. It's just enough acid malt to get the pH kind of right where an ESB should be. It's like relatively, it's like only a couple like a couple pounds in there, or whatever, right? Uh, two, two kilos of chocolate malt. Uh, there's ten kilos of acid malt or twelve. Uh, yeah, 10 kilos of acid malt, and then 17 and a half kilos of the dark crystal. Um, and then the rest is that, the gambrinous ESB malt. Okay, well, that wraps up the malt, malt milling. Not malting, milling. Hey, milling look at you, process. know what you're talking about. Oh, I, I know. Uh, I've learned so much listening to Bitter Bobcast already. 
So, so everybody's going to be doing this. We're, I, not I know. The, the podcasting, that is. Oh, the podcasting, not the making <laughs> beer, not the not the buying big silos and sanitizing daily. Yes, yeah, so that's. You don't sanitize daily. <laughs> I mean, let's not get into it, okay? <laughs> All right. Well, we finished the milling, and mm-hmm. now I think we're going to get into uh, chatting about. Uh, I think we're going to get into putting the malt into the into the. Uh, uh, Mash tun. Right, yes. The big, huge container that we add water to it. I do remember the word mash being said a lot. And dough balls. We talk about dough balls. I mean, these are all things I know nothing about. Let's hear about dough balls, shall we? Dough balls. One more time. Dough, dough balls. balls. Okay, well, since you know nothing I about brewing beer, uh, so uh, we've just we've just milled the grain. It's sitting up there in that hopper, um, yeah. and it's dry. And yeah. uh, we're going to start dropping it into this big vessel here. This is called the mash tun. Yeah. Um, this is a two-vessel system, so people who speak the language, this is actually a mash louder ton. We just call it a mash ton for short. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to run hot water through this guy. Yep. And uh, it's actually going to like mix in the air and drop down hydrated into the mash tun. All right. And what is the benefit of doing that rather than just dumping grain into a big vat of hot water? If you dump pulverized grain into hot water it will tend to clump together so it will form what are called dough balls and so yeah. the outside is wet but if you break open the inside it's just as dry as if there is no water at all yeah. and that locks a bunch of starches together yeah. in those dough balls yeah. the whole point of mashing in in brewing is to take those starches and have them cut up by brewing enzymes um, that are naturally occurring in the barley into sugars yeah. on a molecular level starch is just a big chain of sugars um, we want to cut those sugars up, and they need to be wet for that to happen. They need a specific temperature yeah. and ratio of water to grain. We'll let that happen naturally, and we don't want dough balls. And the best way to do that on this kind of scale yeah. is to hydrate the, uh, the grain as it's falling into the mash tun. You've got a bit of hot water kind of circulation going on a little bit, isn't there? Or am I thinking more of the water? Oh no! So so right now, right now I'm doing something uh, called um, vorlaufing. It, a lot of this is in German because the Germans were the ones who made a lot of these techniques uh, mainstay in, in beer making. But um, so I'm pulling very slowly and delicately. Yeah. I'm pulling some of the liquid out of the mash right now, mm-hmm. and then just recirculating it yeah. on top of the mash. And what that does is right now, this kind of looks and tastes a lot like oatmeal. It's thick, it's opaque, it's starchy, there's not a lot of sweetness to it. Um, over time, as those starches convert into sugar, and as the, um, the mash is being drawn out and then poured back over itself, it starts to act as its own filter. So in between 20 and 60 minutes, um, you're gonna, it's, gonna, it's gonna be very, very sweet, it's gonna be clear. Um, and, uh, and that's going to ensure that when we go to move the, sh- the sugary liquid over to the kettle, none of the grain comes with it. The mash acts as its own filter bed. You mm. gotta do it carefully, because if you- uh, Start disrupting the mash. If the, you start the disrupting the mash, you can get what's called a stuck mash. Mm. And that's where the grain has compacted down on itself so much that mm. no liquid can get through it. Mm. And that is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are ways to fix it. None of them are great. All of them can affect the finished product and the amount of sugar in the beer and that sort of stuff. So we do our best to avoid a stuck mash. What temperature are you looking for? Uh, I would be happy uh, with like 155. Uh, I mm-hmm. use Fahrenheit. I know we're in Canada. Uh, 
but Fahrenheit's a finer scale. Oh, and so it's a little high, but we're still going to get conversion. I'm going for um, uh, a little bit sweeter, mm -hmm. so like uh, slightly higher temperatures equals more unfermented sugars. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, as we said a handful of times now, ESB is all about balance. Um, and it's one of my, that's why I think I like the beer style so much is because it shows the uh, mastery of the of your the ability of the brewer to some extent. I think. And do you ever? And so, like you said, sometimes you get sort of some grains sneak through that false bottom, no matter how hard you try, right? Oh yeah, and right now you can see, right? This is cloudy. It's yeah. got. Yeah. visible chunks of, of grain in it yeah and over the course of the next 45 minutes or so um it'll clear clear, clear up it'll clear up it'll get sweet and I'll, I'll pour you something called a hopscotch you ever had a hopscotch before i don't know if i have i probably have but just not never knew what it was called well there's neither hops nor scotch in it but no. it's uh it's if you're doing a collaboration brew it's kind of tradition to like oh to try a little bit of the unfermented work basically yeah yeah you pull it and it's gonna be first runnings Okay. None of this last running's garbage. Sounds like a birch tree, yeah. Okay. Um, and you, uh, typically you mix it with whiskey. Oh, wow. Um, I, I thought I saw a whiskey bottle over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about <laughs> that? Uh, but we got to get it converted first. Uh, right yeah. now it would just be a starchy nightmare mixed with whiskey, so. Yeah. Yeah, so right now this is, there's, there's hot water, there's crushed grain, and we're waiting for it to, to start the process of, of getting this, turning the starch into sugars. And that's temperature is what you said is all important. I'm surprised that you actually had the lid open still on the mash tun. The, you know, the mash tun itself is insulated. So um, having that open doesn't change the temperature really at no, all? No, that lid is uninsulated. So really oh, closing yeah, it it's not gonna do, yeah. do very much at all. But also like the volume that we're working with here, you know, if you can believe this, we're working with almost yeah. a thousand liters of okay. grain and water goop. The thermal mass on that yeah. is such that like we're gonna lose maybe two degrees yeah. Fahrenheit throughout yeah. the entire process. Yeah. Um, not enough to really affect yeah. uh, the beer. So what is this called? We're, we got we got the, this is clear looking uh, uh, wort. Yeah. And which is surprising, quite clear. It's almost like it's run through a filter. I mean, it, effectively it has been run through a filter. Well, true. It acts as its own filter. The grain you, filter. Yeah, if you recirculate long enough. Okay. Um, so these and are scotch. These are called scotch. Uh, these are called hop scotches. Hop scotches. And, yeah. I, I, and this one contains neither hop nor scotch. Uh, it's the first runnings, which is uh, now all the starches have been converted into sugar. Yeah. And so, like, what we're pulling out of the sample valve is very, very sweet. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can kind of get an idea of what yeah, the malt good. profile of the beer is going to be. Yeah. I do this at home, too, where I, I pour off a little bit of it, um, and I get a feeling of, like, okay, what is my potential going to be here? Yeah. Where, well, how much uh, alcohol potential am I going to have? Yeah. Also, some of the flavors and the balance. I mean, how much, how malty is it going to be, too? Yeah. Just because this is all the malt you're, we're adding. This we're is not it. adding any more. Yep. It also gives you a general idea of what the color of the beer is going to be. Yeah. Uh, the color will change throughout the boil and fermentation, but this gives you kind of a rough guideline of what we're looking at. Okay. Um, and then we go ahead and mix it with hard alcohol because <laughs> why not? Sure. So Cheers. this is a hopscotch made with first runnings and Irish whiskey. All right, let's try it. Ooh, well that's oh yeah, that's interesting. It's uh, it's like a hot toddy if a hot toddy had some personality to it. I like the personality of this hot toddy. 
I'm sure there are brewers out there who like tailor which spirit they use with like the beer that they're brewing. Um, See, this is a whole. I've never. I didn't know this was a tradition. I had to be shown too. I wonder if it has. Is it a Scottish thing? You think? I don't know. Um, I mean, it would make sense. It, the first step of brewing scotch is effectively making beer. Yeah. Uh, that is to say, like barley, converting the starches yeah. and malted barley into yeah. sugar. Um, so, like, it would make sense. They would have a lot of whiskey around already, yeah. and it would make sense that that would uh, that would be like a natural thing that they do. Mm. Don't know the history of it. Um, I'll look into it. I'm gonna Google that one. It's cool. Have you been to the uh, Parallel 49? Have you ever visited there? Oh, a handful of times, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen their their, their fruit uh, infuser? That, oh, the Randall. The Randall. And yeah, yeah, the yeah. tower where they, they cram it full of nectarines and peaches, and then they push the beer through that just yep. before it goes into your glass? Yeah. I, I That was the first time I've ever seen that before. Uh, maybe it's more, maybe it's a common thing, but I, I was kind of blown away by the fact that you could just, like, at the very end, before it goes into your glass throw a bunch of random things into this this glass hopper and push your beer through it and boom you got some sort of different flavors yeah it's it's a clever way of doing things um for your in-house crowd too like mm -hmm. it gets people in your brewery because you can't get it anywhere else that's right it's a great way to add flavoring um that that is like risky to add on larger scale so if you're adding like like whole nectarines or, or quartered nectarines or whatever yeah. there's a lot of wild yeast and bacteria that lives on those yeah that can get into a batch of beer over time and yeah. will change its character but yeah. if you're if you're only allowing the beer to contact it right before it goes into your yeah. glass you're yeah. no risk of you no. know infection no risk of secondary fermentation as long as you drink it within the day yeah yeah um and also it's a great way for like parallel 49 is big right they make a lot of beer mm -hmm. um and it's a great way to brew a batch of beer that you can easily sell twenty thousand liters of yeah but then change it in a way where you might not be able to sell 20,000 liters of like you yeah. know the peach cardamom mint beer that you're pouring on tap <laughs> yeah. but yeah. but you know like the base beer is yeah. still very approachable on a larger yeah. scale yeah and you can go in there with your growler and you can fill it up and put it into your growler and take it home and you have a beer that nobody else has yep yeah it's yep. pretty cool uh something you'd ever want to do here i mean we're all we're always looking for for ways to keep people interested um you know, half of our customers are quite happy with coming in, drinking a pint of lager or two. Fair enough. You know that. People's, people seem to be coming in droves anyway. They, they do, but but we don't want to get complacent in that. Right. Right? We, we tried to build our reputation as a brewery that will push boundaries, um, as well as, like, doing traditional stuff very well. Um, but we, we do want the experience. For those people who seek novel experiences, we do want to still cater to them as well and mm -hmm. also like you know selfishly i i get bored pretty easily like, mm -hmm. even if the beer that i'm drinking is a fantastic beer by mm -hmm. the end of a pint i'm like okay let's try something else right <laughs> yeah and and i want that ethos to show through up front as well so mm -hmm. uh we we try not to to tread too far into like gimmicky for the sake of gimmicky Fair. territory yeah. um it is an aspect of gimmicky there but sure. we also like we brewed a blue beer a while back, so, <laughs> so you know. Fair enough. You crossed that threshold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the the long short is, uh, we're always looking at new ways for the user experience out there to to be varied um, and and to be as as immersive or as entry level as the customer is looking for. Mm -hmm. um, 
and it's just a matter of, of square footage and expense as to whether or not you know we can invest in that kind of equipment. Starts to spurge. Okay, I I just needed to stop for a second because we I say let's start the spar or someone says let's start the sparge. I think that's you. What do you think that means anyway? Sparge? Yeah. What it is- sounds like a raid. Like I think that means that you're gonna like invade yeah. a peaceful community otherwise. Yeah. That, like that's you, what it you, sounds like. Like to Russia, me. Russia said, "Let's let's start the sparge." I believe it is, uh, and, it, and the Ukraine was like, insignia. "Oh my god, okay. not us!" Got all right, fine. I got dark it's politics. Quick. Yeah, uh, I mean, it got forlorn. Forlorn. Quick. Okay, so the sparge is a when you're taking the 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 mash, the water from the mash that we just had finished drinking. This scotch thingy. Whatever. Hopscotch. That was that kind of blew me away. I'd never done that before. I also tried it and it was delicious. And it was also drinking before noon, but it was uh it was delightful. Didn't do that. I don't do that often. But the sparge is when you, you're taking the water and you're putting it in into the boil kettle. And it takes a long time. You're you're basically rinsing the grains. And then all of a sudden we start talking about a nice boil here. You'll hear us talking about a boil. So we're skipping a big chunk there. But uh, about an hour almost. Uh, where we're taking this uh, hot water and rinsing the grains and putting that water directly into a boil or a, 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 a not a lot of time but a, a a boil kettle. So that's what I just want. I just want to make sure you knew that because thank you. Yeah. Cause also, because you, you saw that that dazed look on my face. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I see that a lot, but but yeah, I just wanted. Right to, I was trying to do what I could to try to clear that up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, here we go. This is this is we're going to into a boil now. We're getting towards the last part of the process. Yep. Okay. Oh, look at that boil. Yeah, we got a nice rolling boil. Yeah. And so uh, we are going to add the bittering addition of hops. Um, hops will add more bitterness the longer they are boiled. Up to, of course, there is a ceiling. Yeah. Um, and and less flavor. So if you've ever had a beer that's like it's got a bitter finish, but it doesn't taste particularly hoppy, and that's to say like citrusy or floral or fruity or whatever, sure. uh, that comes from the hops that are added near the beginning of the boil. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever had a beer that's got a lot of those citrusy or floral or fruity flavors in it, um, that comes from hops added right near the end of the boil or in the dry hopping process after fermentation. Sure. Interestingly enough. If hops aren't boiled for very long or they're not boiled at all, they actually don't add a ton of bitterness. So you can have a hoppy beer that's not bitter. You can have a bitter beer that's not hoppy. You can have a bitter beer that is hoppy. But what, by and large, consumers will do is they'll conflate bitter and hoppy together. And they'll say, oh, I don't like hoppy beers. And then I'll give them our hoppiest beer, <laughs> which is often like not that bitter. And yeah. they're like, oh, this is good. This isn't hoppy at all. And you're right. like, yes, it is. It's yes. just it's not bitter. Right. Um, so, that, you know, this is an ongoing part of educating people into craft yeah. beers especially if they had an IPA back in like the late aughts or the early 2010s when there was very much like an arms race going of who could brew the most bitter beer and yeah. some of the IPAs that were coming out in that era sort of tasted like grapefruit pith and cigarette butts right mm-hmm. like it's very very bitter for the sake of bitter and that's turned a lot of people off IPAs who today might like the stuff that brewers are doing the the IBU and bitterness arms race is largely over and now people are more concerned with with hop flavor rather than hop bitterness and so there's a lot of people who had their experience kind of tainted at the wrong time in the craft beer world who by and large might like some of the IPAs that are coming out today and just are afraid to try them so I've been asked to pitch some hops mm, magnum uh, we got some magnum hops here and here we go 
right? And that is that. Right. We now have some very nice smelling hops in there. This is when things start to smell really good. This is when it starts to get, I mean, yeah, if, uh, if you like the smell of hops, and I do, for obvious reasons, uh, this is where it starts just being more than like a sugary green tea that yeah. you've made, and uh, yeah, it starts to now it becomes something bigger and better. Absolutely. I see a green froth, froth on the top, or a boiling brown liquid. This is going to be good. <clears throat> ah, yep. Smells good. Our timer going. Fifty-nine minutes. We're in. We're on. Starting now. Bucket. Bucket. Bucket lives up here. All right, well, that's our first hop edition. Some, some beers require a pile of different hop editions, although you, I've talked to you about this before, you don't necessarily believe in like these incremental introductions of hops. Okay, here we go. So here is a whole thing. I mm -hmm. think I counted how many minutes we're gonna go on here. It's going on for five, maybe more minutes of us just talking about flavoring of beer using hops. And then we talk about some crazy thing called biotransformation. But I thought we should really keep it in this recording. Okay. Because I feel like, because I feel like that's a really important process. Like when we're tasting, here I go. I'm just going to add to the minutes of how beer tastes the way it tastes. No, it's so just, let's just like let, let's you're just excited. Like camp. Yeah, you're I, excited. It's I, nerdy. I it, we it, and I think you mentioned at the top uh, as a disclaimer about yeah. the nerdiness and this whole darn thing is is about nerdiness. But I just felt like this is so nerdy that I needed one more warning. Just one more warning. So here we go how f beer is flavored with hops and something called biotransformation, which is new to me. All right, here we go. No, that's that's by and large uh, kind of the way that, that IPAs and pale ales used to be brewed. It comes from European traditions, uh, like a Czech Pilsner, for example, like one of the hoppier uh, styles of, of lager out there. Um, it, it tends to have multiple additions. Um, British pale ales, like the one that we're brewing today, tended to have multiple additions. Um, the philosophy on adding hops to beer has changed pretty significantly uh, mm -hmm. in the last, say, 20 years of brewing beer, uh, we've, especially if we're trying to really emphasize the flavor and downplay the bitterness. The longer mm -hmm. you boil hops, the less flavor they have. So you don't boil the hops at all. There are, there are beers, like really, really hoppy beers, including the ones that like uh, like our, our India Session, for example, our Hazy IPA. Uh, it is a it is a whirlpool edition. Um, for those of you that don't speak beer, that's the wort is still hot, but it's no longer boiling, mm -hmm. um, and a dry hop, and that's it. Whirlpool dry hop. You pull mm -hmm. out all the bitterness you need to balance that beer, and you pull out a ton more flavor than if you're adding it at 60, so 20. There are no other characteristics of a hop other than bitter and the flavor of it not being boiled. Is there anything in between? Like I mean, if you're adding hop additions. At 60 minutes, you don't get a different flavor at 40 minutes and 30 minutes and 20 minutes? You, I mean, that that is debated amongst brewers, and typically your stance depends on when you got into the industry. Okay, I see I'm dated. I feel uh, like I'm dated. I, and there may scientifically be very different flavors that you pull out. People aren't after those flavors. They're not after the mid-boil edition flavors anymore. I don't want those. Those people are not after <laughs> Uh, those those people are like, they have taken the West Coast IPA and they've changed it um, to be more hop forward and less bitter forward. And then they've just, they've invented the East Coast IPA, the New England, the hazy, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. that is not about the bitterness at all. The bitterness is there more as a balancing than it is as a feature. Yeah. 
and the, you know those big fruity juicy tropical flavors that hazies have become known for like that's what you're after and those come about primarily through the dry hop or through a process called bio uh, biotransformation where some people will dry hop the beer while it's still actively fermenting and certain species so sorry certain strains not certain species certain strains of yeast have been found to take compounds in those hops that aren't aromatic right they, they don't particularly have a flavor to them and they can alter them uh, usually by cleaving off a sugar of from a thial um, to uh, to it like it, the, the hops end up quite a bit fruitier than they would if you added them on the hot side or if you added them as, as a post-fermentation dry hop that's news to me that's a, when is that when did they when was that when? that seems must be new. people people started messing around with dry hops the same way that they started messing around with hot side additions well instead of like you know we, we put we put hops in on the hot side at like the 60 minute the 30 the 20 the 15 the 10 in the whirlpool yeah. um then we let the beer ferment out and we dry hop it right at the end yeah. like, somebody's why aren't we incrementally dry hopping as well right yeah. drop a bit at two days at four days at six days after fermentation and then after the you know like after fermentation but a few days later from the original dry hop mm-hmm. and you know through a period of, a period of you know just experimentation and trial and error they found that there is a noticeable difference not only in the amount of hop flavor but the type of hop flavor mm-hmm. if you if you do your first dry hop charge during active fermentation but only or, or at least it was certain strains of yeast would give you a much different you know like profile than the hops that you added and other ones wouldn't and so we looked into it that is to say microbiologists look into it um we, we microbiologists yeah <laughs> uh and uh the result you know the results were like oh yeah some yeast can actually take these these compounds that are not aromatic and they metabolize them in a way where the byproducts are aromatic and they're pleasantly aromatic and that's called biotransformation so that like call it the last 10 years that has that has become something that that all craft brewers worth their salt are aware of whether or not you're taking advantage of that depends on your philosophy of making beer i've done biotransformed beer i've done non-biotransformed beer by and large our ipas are not biotransformed it is a single dry hop after fermentation is done um and, and there's definitely there's something to it there's absolutely something to it um i just don't find it benefits our beers in like to be worth the extra step um but there is probably some professional brewer listening to this losing their mind that i i myself am dated and i I need to get with the times all right okay so our bittering hops have been in there for nearing an uh almost an hour oh i'm picking up some oh was we could we were just debating if this should be a british style hops but we're putting on the original recipe willamette ready to go yep we're good all right there's our final hop edition so these are these are only going to be at boiling temperatures for about five minutes which means they're not going to contribute a ton of bitterness but they will contribute a ton of flavor right um and then we're gonna at the five after five minutes we're gonna shot the kettle off and uh and give it a whirlpool which just means get the beer spinning real fast and all of the hop solids we've just added are going to collect in the middle it's important that that happens for a bunch of beer nerd reasons i won't bore you with um and then uh after the whirlpool which takes about 20 minutes we transfer it into a fermenter pitch our yeast and that's the brew day it seems so easy 
It's oh yeah, th this is the easiest thing in the world. We're now doing a transfer from our our our, our yes from our lauder ton boil kettle. Boil, sorry, I'm getting mixed up now. Boil kettle into our fermenter. Ooh, yeah, and uh, cooling it off at the same time as it's happening, which is kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah it's going from uh, it's going from just below boiling temperatures to right about room temperature in a matter of seconds through that uh, heat exchanging box. Uh, we're doing that with water. Um, cold water goes in one side, hot grain tea goes in the other. They never touch, but they exchange heat. Hot water comes out. We recapture it in our big hot water tank. Cold, it's not beer yet, but I'm gonna say beer for argument's sake. Cold beer comes out the other side, uh, and it goes into that tank right over there. Oh, wow. And then how long does, this, does it ferment for? Uh, fermentation ideally is only, only going to last five or six days, but then there's additional conditioning that has to happen after that. Long and short is this beer will be ready in three weeks. Uh, so right now uh, I am adding the yeast, and that's what's actually going to turn the sugary, hoppy grain tea that we've brewed into beer. Uh, it's going to eat the sugar, poop out alcohol and carbon dioxide, and um, that's going to take yeah about, about six days, and then with some additional conditioning, we're going to have a beer in about three weeks. Did you catch that he said poop? I did hear him say poop, yeah. Do you know that, that that's why we're, we're drinking yeast poop? We Yeast poop? Yeah, yeast yeah. poop. Delicious. It's like a single-celled organism, and it poops out uh, alcohol and, and carbon dioxide. So, but you're okay with that? We're doing it right now. I'm doing it right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm so okay with it. All right. In well, fact, I keep on smacking my lips because of how good yeast poop tastes. Okay, so we're going to get into this part about uh, yeast, and there's a whole thing about yeast and how it changes the flavors of beer, but mm -hmm. but we're going to pitch some yeast uh, and into a beer. Uh, this is like a very delicate part because now the beer is at a temperature where we could get, it, it could be infected. It won't, it won't hurt you as a beer person who drinks the beer because it's just got alcohol in it. It's all alcohol is, is to a certain extent. Well, I think I said somewhere that it's, it's a poison, but anyway. Uh, it's alcohol and, but some alcohols taste terrible. And because they've been infected with, uh, something that's, uh, uh, that beat out the yeast that we pour in there. Cause the yeast is going to try to eat up all those sugars, mm -hmm. but something else could get in there and eat it all up. And it's going to give you these weird flavors. So anyway, I'm just not going to touch it. You'll hear me talk about that. Glenn, why are you afraid of yeast? Isn't everybody afraid of yeast? What's that? Oh, she's asking why I'm afraid of yeast. Yeah, I just said everybody's afraid of yeast. It's like spiders. <laughs> They're little one-celled organisms. <laughs> yeah. They can they can mutate. That ain't over. I think this is one step away. One brewer is going to come up with a yeast that's going to take over the world. You just watch. Mark my words. Did you see that episode of Love, Death, and Robots where the yogurt takes over the world? Yes. It's so good. <laughs> well, I mean, yeast is a fungus, and then, like, The Last of Us is a series about fungus taking over the world, right? So... Um, okay, uh, next we have to measure how much sugar is actually in this beer. Right, we so we can that. like roughly guess how much of it's going to get turned into alcohol. Do you have a hydrometer? Uh, I do. I got to pull a sample out of here, and then we're gonna uh, we're gonna measure it over there. Okay, this is so fun. I've never seen this happen before, yeah. ever. Like, <laughs> it's all brand new for me. I'm gonna guess 1.68. What does that mean? Nothing. Just a number right now. Okay. Or zero, it's 0 0.168. Zero, is it 0 0.168? 0 0.0168. That's one of my guesses. Okay. 
What do you think? All right, I have, I have to interject here because what the hell are these numbers? If you don't know what we're talking about, we're using a hydrometer, which is, is measuring the density of, of, the, of the fluid. Uh, we can guess. What we do is we take the, a measurement of the density of the, of, the, of the beer. It's not beer yet, but and we measure the density afterwards, and you can, you'll be able to know the alcohol content uh, based on the measurements from before and after. Because when the yeast cells eat up all the, the sugars, it becomes way less dense. The beer becomes less dense, and so this hydrometer thing can sort of uh, give you an estimate as to what you should expect for alcohol content at the, uh, after it's finished yeah. the brewing process. Make sense? Totally. Okay, here we go. I was totally wrong, by the way. What's your guess? Uh, okay. Uh, well, I'm hoping it's about 1058. 58? Oh, you're going lower. I went higher. I said 68. 68. 68. Yeah. Okay. Um, I went too high. Well. I guess I'm not used to the quite finishes really low, eh? What is it? What do you think it's going to finish at? Probably about 10-12. 10-12? Yeah. You know how many of those I've broken? Lots. They're very fragile. They're super fragile. I'm about as afraid of those as I am of yeast. Look at that, a cat. I, I've never seen one of these where it allows you to... It drains out over in the sleeve. Okay. When get in there a little closer. Yeah. Oh shit, you're right. You're... You're closer. You nailed it. 10, 50, 6, 7, 10, just over 10, 57. Oh. Yeah, he got it. He nailed it. Good that the brewer got it right. Yeah, funny how that would happen. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> It'd be pretty embarrassing to them. Yeah. <laughs> cut that, cut that. <laughs> Give me that SD card. <laughs> yeah, so 10, 55 is that line up there that says 55. Mm -hmm. And we're going off of the big lines, not the little lines. So. 1055, 1056, 1057, and it's just above 1057. So, I mean, I'm gonna write it down as 1058 because it makes me feel better about myself. But oh, he's good. I know. Look at that, eh? Yeah. Someone who knows what he's doing. Do you mind if I try a little of this? Oh, please do. This is a unfermented. And it gives you an idea in theory, what you might be, should expect. Mm -hmm. So it's unfermented beer or wort. It's finished in the brewing process, but it's not really beer yet. Because it hasn't fermented? It hasn't been fermented, so no, no alcohol. And actually, it's still sweet, so all the, 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 the yeast has got to turn all that into alcohol. So right now it's like quite sweet, but it's got the bittering, so I'm kind of looking for what, what it's going to be like for the malty bitterness out of it. But I think it's going to be, and the color is going to be about the same. It's not going to. That's not going to change. It's pretty. It's going to be a very, very drinkable beer. I'd say, very drinkable. A low bar. <laughs> okay, 
Well, that's it. That's it. What, it was we a, just made a beer. And how long was it? That was a day. That was a six-hour day. Yeah, seven uh, seven hours. Yeah, seven-hour days, seven-hour day, and that was the beer-making process. Yeah, and we, yep, we shrunk it for y'all. Um, thanks a lot to Cam. Oh my God. Yeah. I, it didn't seem like we had to twist his arm to do uh, talking, but he was a uh, very gracious uh, kind of guest slash host uh, walking through the process. Yep. Yeah, we, he was, yeah, very generous with his time and uh, let me touch his equipment, which is sound dirty, but it's not. <laughs> so uh, we brewed a beer and it's going to be the first uh, yeah, English style or no, extra. It's an English style, but it is extra special bitter. Uh, it brings back an old beer from back from Plan B days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a beer that's going to be released uh, in October, middle October sometime. And if you're listening to this after October, well, you missed it. But the actual, can I talk a little bit about when it yeah, actually will be? let's do it. Um, October 13th. It's the beer launch, and it's also the fundraiser, the Monster Royale Rock Lottery fundraiser for CICK at Smithers Brewing when you can get it on tap and also in cans. In cans. Yeah. And they're going to do some of the old imaging, which is going to be awesome. Some yeah. of the old, the old logo and everything. It's going to be wicked. It's going to be super, super fun. For those people who are like, who remember Plan B, which I still remember, there's still a few people around that remember Plan B. Uh, it's going, I, I expect some of those people are going to come out and try this. Yeah. Um, but it's really, it is also just celebrating the community radio station and just the fact that the community is supporting us in this way. Absolutely. And yeah, like supporting us not only monetarily, but also just coming out um, so, and celebrating something that has been in the works, I almost feel like as long as I've known you. Like, I feel like this has been talked about for so long. So yeah. very fun to see it finally come to fruition. Uh, there's a bunch of us who feel that way. I, you know, I was really trepid trepidatious that tre- is the tre- word yeah yeah about doing this i partially because it's been a long time since i've kind of done anything of this kind of uh, uh what do you call it scale yeah you have just been laying yeah. like prostrate for months yeah not doing anything whimpering and just yeah. kind of crying Being into my fed through a tube yeah beer yeah. through a tube you were eating food but you know you demanded all your beer be brought to you i did uh, but here I finally got to, off my duff. We had to pedal your legs like a kid to get you to get fart. Your, just to get <laughs> some movement back again. Yeah, I know. Well, it finally made it happen. And I'm kind of glad we did. And maybe we'll do this something like this again. I don't know. But I, I'm really looking forward to the launch. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to the party that I'm not going to be there for. But uh, I really hope that a lot of people show up for it. Come out to the Smithers Brewing Company, which is on 3rd Ave here in Smithers on the Friday the 13th in October so that's October Friday the 13th Mm. it's a rock lottery it's a fundraiser Mm. it's kind of a clash it's a royale and it's also a beer launch what more could you possibly want nothing thanks so much Pam thanks Glenn